What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered. Before we get into all the show intros and everything else, I have something to read. I am absolutely apologetic today uh, for being so late. Uh, <laughs> but one computer crashed, and then the second computer, uh, for some reason, I had to push two different buttons get to get the audio to work. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Life happens. And here's the other thing. I know for a fact the enemy did not want us to have this broadcast today, but I'm too stubborn to quit. <laughs> so how many of you can relate? All right, so I'm going to read this, and we're going to get started, but today is going to be a very special broadcast. Um, Allie has no clue what direction we're going to go, I don't think, anyway. Now, this is going to be powerful. You want to stick around, but first things first. Uh, from January 29th, out of this amazing devotional book called New Beginnings, do everything without complaining or arguing. Philippians 2.14. The Christian's life is a life of service and submission. It may be that you are called to work among people in distress and that your calling is administration, preaching, or another form of service. Whatever it is, it will demand that you sacrifice your time and yourself in the service of Christ. Unfortunately, many people have the habit of performing their task for Christ with a negative attitude. They will do their work and often do it exceptionally well, but they are unpleasant people with poor interpersonal relationships. This spoils the quality of their deeds, which should have been manifestations of compassion or mercy in the name of Christ. The result is that people hesitate to approach them because of their attitude that they encounter. You must always remember that whatever task you are assigned to do for Jesus is to be done in his name, and therefore your attitude will have a positive or negative influence on the Christian faith. To ensure that you reflect the glory and love of God in everything you do, you must do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Follow the example of love, compassion, understanding, and humility that Christ set in his ministry. In this way, your discipleship and service will be fruitful and effective and fulfill, it, fulfill its ultimate purpose to exalt God. Master and guide, I newly dedicate myself and my strength to your service. Make me a joyful servant because I find joy in you. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys are in for a really, really special Gratitude Unfiltered. I am so honored to have our guest. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here, and I hope I do not knock my computer over. I'm not trying to manifest that right now, but, you know, I may just do that.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Live Mana Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. I'm so blessed to have you guys here today. Whether you're watching on social media, listening on the podcast, listening on radio.com, or watching on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Um, I'm going to do a video soon to show you guys how you can actually watch this on TV. I mean, honestly, you can go to the web browser, livemonaworldwide.org. You can go download the E360 TV app and find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire. Um, we are working on some fun, fun, fun things behind the scenes and uh, with this network. And uh, God has been really, really good. Um, I got to be honest with you guys today. I almost backed out of the broadcast, not because of the frustration of just getting live, but our guest is a friend of mine, uh, who I got to tell you is one of the leading fitness expert, fitness, health experts, wellness experts in the world. Like she's extraordinary. She has this amazing technology that she's about to unleash on the world that is absolutely going to revolutionize the fitness industry. That's not why I almost backed out. So Allie and I met a few years ago and we had one phone conversation. In that phone conversation, I learned a little bit about her history, but not a lot. And, and in that conversation, I shared a little bit about myself. And those of you who have watched this show know that I'm very transparent about my past and what God has delivered me from. We've talked again about a month ago, maybe two months ago, and it was in regards to her technology, but throughout that conversation, she sent me an advanced copy of her book. I had to stop reading her book. As I've told you before, that one of the ways that the devil likes to try to come at me is through my dreams. And so I have very vivid, detailed, physical altering dreams, meaning, <laughs> I can, when I have a sex and drug dream, I feel like I've had the sex. I feel like I've done the drugs. But another part of those dreams, and this is really what sparked a new wave of night terrors for me, is that I started having dreams of a lot of the things that had happened back when I lived in Los Angeles and when I went to jail two different times. Line that up with reading Allie's book. And I swear to you that in reading this, it was like reading the book that my ex wrote. It's not the easiest subject in the world for me. Like this is not the thing that I'm most proud of. I mean, I can talk about having HIV all day long, uh, not because I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I know the truth behind it and, you know, I'm healthy. But the one part about my life that I struggle with to this day is that I cannot make up for the fact that I went from being abused to becoming an abuser. So I know I gave a lot of intro and a lot of meat and I'm setting the tone for the opening of this, of this broadcast to be a little bit different, but I want to create the space today in a conversation for Allie to share openly about, you know, what she's been through, what she's overcome, what she's doing now, but I cannot do that in good faith or be authentic or be who I can't be real. If I don't at least lay this out, there's a lot of new people that are going to watch or listen to this. And I'm not going to sit up here as, I mean, I'm a shock jock evangelist, but the truth is that, that I can't, what makes it 
I'm not trying to be shocking. I'm not trying to glorify this at all, but I can't have this conversation without her knowing up front a truth about my past. So I pray that the Lord uses whatever comes out of this broadcast. I, I pray that it opens and creates the space for healing. There's a lot of people out there, men and women alike, that have been in abusive relationships. So I'm going to set the tone there. And wherever the Lord takes this, he takes it. But I do pray that there's healing today. That said, I am so excited to introduce to you my friend and someone that I, like God is going to do such amazing things through this woman this year. And you guys are in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Allie Covington. Welcome, my friend. Hi. <laughs> that was quite yeah. an introduction. <laughs> I didn't really know how I was going to do all this, but there it is. And I don't know how much of that you knew. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, well, Way to bury the lead, Joshua. <laughs> I want to, so listen, I, I remember the very first conversation that we had, and it it literally, I, I don't know if you shared with me about your last relationship or what, but I remember being a little bit open about why I'd been in jail and things like that. And I and we didn't talk again for like two years after that first conversation. Yeah. So this entire time, and then when everything circled back and I started reading that book, it started to rip me apart. Because I literally felt everything that you went through, through, it was like reading your words. It was like reading what my ex would say about me. Oh, I'm sorry. That had to hurt. It, this is not about me. Um, and, but it is important that, you know, dr addressing this. And so, like of all the things that you're doing in this world, the part of me that knows in my spirit, like what God has for you, it starts with this, not this broad, maybe this broadcast, but your story of overcoming and what you've done and what you're doing, it all kind of goes back to this moment because what you went through was a breaking point. But you didn't let it break you. No. So I want you just to kind of have the floor and speak into anything and everything I just said, if you choose. But the floor is yours. And then we'll go from there. How, where to start, right? Um, I don't know. Where do I start? <laughs> well, I don't know how much you're even allowed to talk about. I can, you know? I mean, I don't I, I think you I can. Anything holding you back? <laughs> I think I can say whatever I want. I will. I will leave names out just to protect myself. But um, it was, it was an interesting time, right? You, you kind of get swept off your feet by someone who really, really wants you, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a fairy tale type of thing. And that's what I've kept reading it's always some type of fairy tale romance type of situation. 
And uh, I blame Disney for that, frankly. You know, they, they messed us up with Sleeping Beauty and all of that stuff, making us think that that's where, that's what true love is supposed to be like. And so, you know, you kind of get caught up and it feels so right. And then things start to turn. And, and the hard part about it was because I have a master's in psychology. And I worked with domestic violence victims and their kids. Oh my God. And the whole time I kept beating myself up, like, how could I let this happen? How did I not see this coming? And I, once I got through it all and started to forgive myself because I was clearly the one who was at fault. Um, at least that's what you believe the whole time. I thought, I realized I never had a chance. I never had a shot and I wasn't taught what to look for. I wasn't I wasn't treating the abusers, I was treating the victims. And so I forgave myself there and um, started to move forward in in the healing process and at least I I did have some you know knowledge about how to do that, right? I had I had helped the kids, I had helped the women. I knew what needed to happen. It didn't make it any easier just because I knew it. But while I was in the middle of, of the abuse, I knew what was happening, but I was literally helpless to do anything about it. And, you know, you spend every waking minute completely consumed with not pissing somebody off. So figure, you know, 18, 19 hours a day of don't let your face even show that you're thinking something that you might be thinking or that you're feeling anything other than what he wants you to think and feel. And um, it's incredibly taxing. It's incredibly stressful. And when you're pregnant at the same time, that's even harder. And then you're trying not to show it to your, to your other two kids. Right, um, it, it makes your it makes your brain crazy. So, I mean, I've always been this like really larger than life, huge lover of life kind of person, and um, to get to the point where I just wanted to die was shocking to me. It was shocking to me, and um, so with the last like one percent of what I had in me, I was able to call the police and the timing was, I had to wait for the timing to be right because I was in the middle of, of a custody battle with my ex-husband because of all of this. He kinda, he didn't appreciate the fact that I had moved on to a relationship three years after we got you know, divorced. And so that ignited a whole situation and was very confusing for my children and very I didn't know what to believe about any of anything anymore and um, so I was in the middle of that and having a uh, having a baby at the same time and trying to figure out how to protect all of them how do you protect your unborn child how do you protect your two children how do you not lose custody of your two children how do you not have to share custody of the newborn baby because you know what they're going to go through 
And so I had to wait, I had to wait it out. Um, I had to wait it out until he got physically abusive enough to leave marks significant enough that I could get a restraining order and that a judge would take it seriously because the feeling is you can't prove coercive control. All, every time I thought, see if I could just tell somebody that this was what was happening, that, but he would say this, he would just turn around and dismiss it and make it my fault and make me seem like the crazy one. And um, so I had to wait. So I was watching, I was able to at least be objective enough to realize I couldn't, like I, I knew where I had to go. I had to just wait it out until it got bad enough, until it either got bad enough or I was so perfect that he had nothing to get mad over. So that's what ended it. He got mad when I was doing everything that perfect. When I was perfect, 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 and there was nothing more to get mad at, he got mad at that. And um, unfortunately, he got really mad one night and left some marks. And uh, after tossing me about the room a bit, I almost hit my head on the corner of the mantle. And uh, I think I think that scared him a little because he didn't want to kill me at that moment. <laughs> it wasn't ready to kill me then and go to jail. But um, our son was about two months old at the time in the room. And um, yeah, he had already been through um, 16 days in NICU. So that was stressful enough. And I wasn't allowed to be with him as much as I wanted to be with him because he wouldn't let me. You know? So I got to visit him once a day for like an hour. And I wanted to hold my baby, you know, mm. needed his mom. But um, so eventually one night he got really, he got pissed off enough that he left some marks and left for the gym early in the morning. And I called the local sheriff to see like, you know, can I, can I, can I get out? Can I, like, what's the, what happens if I call? Because I was afraid, I was afraid of calling. It was the scariest thing I've ever had to do. Let's call the police because it, I was afraid that they wouldn't, that I didn't have a, that there wasn't enough evidence and that they wouldn't arrest him. And if they didn't arrest him, he probably would kill me at that point or hurt me so badly that I would wish to die. <laughs> and I already did. You know, there was a point at which I wished to die in childbirth. Yeah. That would be the easy way out because I couldn't commit suicide because my other two children would be, would be damaged for life. I couldn't do that to them but dying in childbirth seemed like a really easy way out. And I'm glad I didn't, but I did pray that God would just do what needed to be done. So if he wasn't done with me, then please help me, save me. And um, he did, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and so when the police came, you know, they, you know, talked to me and they took pictures and, issued a temporary restraining order and a friend of mine who's a therapist who'd kind of gotten some red flags from some text messages from me, you know, during that week, uh, flew me out to where she was at. So I left the state. Come back to file for, you know, sole custody for a permanent restraining order. And that took almost a year to get. 
almost a year to get. And the whole time I'm terrified that I'm going to have to testify in front of him, talk yeah. about another terrifying thing. Like, okay, I, because he would twist everything, twist every truth into, into a lie coming out of my mouth. And it's terrifying, it's terrifying to explain how that happens. And there's so much shame around it. There's so much, how did I let this happen? And, you know, my, my other situation, my other legal battle, that's exactly what was being used against me. She has a master's in psychology. How did she let this happen? I was like, well, they don't teach us what to look for in abusers. They should, but they don't. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we got away and I spent the year, you know, pulling myself together, um, taking care of our son and, um, and seeing my other two kids when I could. And we eventually got through all of that, you know, got the restraining order and worked through the rest of my other situation and got my kids back. And, you know, that was the January of last year. So, um, so it was a year of getting there. At least I knew how to physically heal, how to emotionally heal. So I right. took some time doing that. I knew I was very depressed. And um, the things that will work against depression are lack of exercise and eating, eating poorly. So I made sure I didn't do those things. I did the things that I knew would help me. And, um, and honestly, faith got me through. I just prayed like I've never prayed before. Please give me my babies back. Please God, let something happens that makes it easy to get custody of my son. Please God, let something happens that makes it easy to get my babies back. All of my babies together, just yeah. let that happen. And that's what happened. And so I go to the trial last January and all everything's stacked against me. And all of a sudden the judge just says, no trial, you guys are settling, figure it out, come back on Friday. And I went, oh, like, because the idea of getting on the stand at all, like and ever, ever like, and getting cross-examined, I had been through the, been through a deposition and uh, that was no fun, but I think I handled it pretty well, but it was still like, you know, that's not an enjoyable experience. Sure. But I knew I was in the right, so I, and I had, faith and I had God with me. And so I knew that I had a strong feeling that everything was going to be okay. That the timing was going to work out the way it was supposed to work out. And as it turns out, I needed that year, not only to heal, but for, but to get a diagnosis for my baby. Couldn't figure out why, what was wrong with him. Didn't understand. Like he was advanced. He was rolling over uh, front back back to front you know picking his head up when he was only weeks old and when he was now four five six months old he wasn't doing any of that he wasn't sitting up he wasn't holding his head up what was wrong and um when he was about 10 months 10 and a half months old he was i, I noticed something and i called the neurologist and he was diagnosed we did an all night keep your baby up all night 
to fry his brain. Yeah, if, you, if you've ever had children, anyone, and you know how, what a struggle it is to get a kid to sleep, it's worse to keep him up all night. So I had to keep him up all night so that his brain was not rested. And, and he, the neurologist said so his brain would be fried. That's great. And if you've ever pulled an all-nighter, then you kind of know how that feels the next day. And uh, to, to cause him to seize during the, during the test. And he did. And they diagnosed him with a really rare form of epilepsy that only about 2,500 kids a year get. It's about 1% of children or so get this form of epilepsy. And it's the only form of epilepsy that causes developmental delay. So that's why he went backwards. And unfortunately, it's also really, really difficult to control. Oh my gosh. It's difficult to control. It's usually caused by a genetic syndrome. And the, the prognosis is bleak for those children. That's not a good word. No. I mean, seven-year-olds that, you know, can't walk kind of bleak. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be taking care of a baby for the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of um, grief around that, too, grief that I needed to work through along with the rest of my grief. So it was a lot. I want to I ask you something. Yeah. How hard is it for you to say our child? Ah, uh, you know, I honestly, that's the first time I've ever said it, to be, to be honest. Yeah, you've said it a few times, and I, does that mean that you've forgiven him, or what does that mean for the state of the relationship? There is no relationship. There's no co-parenting. He gets visits, but I Is that hard for you? Uh, it was last year, because I hadn't. I hadn't finished forgiving myself. And I don't mean 2020, I mean 2019. It yeah. was for me then. Because I hadn't I hadn't finished forgiving myself, and so I couldn't forgive him. But I mean, I've really, I mean, and my daughter too, we've talked about how how much better we are as a result of having gone through that, how much we can read people in a way that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And, um, and so it turned out to be quite a, quite a blessing. And she's over there waving because she really wanted me to do this with you when she could be present because she wanted to listen. And, um, and so, yeah, I forgave him. That's good. I wouldn't be where I am because if we had stayed together, I wouldn't be where I am if all of this hadn't happened the way that it happened. And I say that because in the middle of my feeling lost and, and desperate for direction, I reached out to a friend who mentored me, who got me in connection with a fitness industry person that I never knew, who started moving me in the direction of of helping me expand the the base of clients for my software. And the industry wasn't ready for it in 2019, but thanks to COVID, <laughs> it got a giant shove forward in 2020 because our realities changed so dramatically and I was perfectly positioned with what I had already created in my software. So, um, so that was awesome. And so had, had we not gone through this really circuitous route to get to where we are, none of this would be happening right now. So yeah, I forgave him because I don't hold any hate in my heart for anyone. Um, 
he he's paying a price to this day yeah. for what he did and i i don't i have com i have compassion i, I guess I, empathy compassion i have something i i don't communicate with him in a in an overly friendly way because i i have to make sure i keep that boundary so that he doesn't get sure you can't can't give an itch with them but um but i'm not unkind i'm not mean um i don't see him when we do when he has a visit he uh we meet at a at a neutral place and one of his family members makes the exchange um, but um but yeah i actually hadn't called him our son ever he's all as far as i'm concerned he's been mine this whole time <laughs> because i've done everything for him right he's like okay here go look at my child okay give him back <laughs> but in reality i think he really he there's a part of him that does care mm. and so yeah what do you think the source of his rage was? Have you figured that out yet? I didn't bother even trying to figure that out. I mean, I got, I, every time my mind started going down that path of, why did he do this? I was like, why am I even gonna sit there and worry about that? That's not my problem. He needs to go fix himself. I need to make sure that, how I let that happen so that it doesn't happen again. But it's really interesting. Once you've been gaslit to the degree that I have, you can recognize it really easily in other people. It's it's amazing. I get a I get one whiff of it from I can walk, I can hear a couple on the phone and go, oh yeah, I know what's happening over there. <laughs> no, they're a mile away now. And it and really what it is is I used to give people the benefit of the doubt. I get I gave them way too much runway, and disbelief that anybody would ever be bad mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds pretty naive right but it yeah. also just is my heart to believe that people are basically good because and i think are we are but then you know life happens and then we choose not to we choose not to get help we choose not we we make the choice to not get well yeah because life happens to everybody i mean for me in my experience with it, and the reason I was asking you this is because it, it, it there's no justification no. That to my, but I medicated, you know, with my own trauma early on and, and then starting to medicate well, because that's what masked the pain from the trauma that I had experienced. And then the drugs chemically whacked me out and then the alcohol, and you factor all those things in, and the self-medicating, and you're right about the Prince Charming thing, where you know the, the, the people that rope you in, the lure you in, the predator, well, they're gifted. We are, and I, and I almost really wanna say present tense, because even though I, I call myself a narcissist in recovery, I can sense those old things that I could sense in people, and I would go, Oh yeah, because I could test. I, I would I would throw out the test, and I had this test that I don't know if I did it on purpose or it was subconscious, hmm. but it would like this. I would throw bait out in a way, and this sounds like a predator because in my mind it is. Again, whether it was subconscious or not, I would throw out these things to see if the the woman that I was you know interested in was going to accept this broken monster inside of me. 
And, and as bad and as much as I didn't want to be that monster, it would find its way to come out when it was triggered or under the influence or whatever. And it doesn't justify the behavior. It, but I, I, I recognize this all the time is like, I, you know, and I heard when I was reading your story, I'm going, I, it was like, I, it was like something inside of me could sense that this person was going to be a victim to me. They were going to do whatever I needed them to do, whatever I wanted them to do. I was going to get away with it. I was going to be able to sow my monster oats and I call the monster that was inside of me. It was like, it could do whatever it wanted to do and feed it. And here it is. This, this person was actually kind of encouraging the behavior in a way until it went against her. And then when the, when, when I remember when I got caught cheating, I, 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 I'll never forget the day because it changed. Like she believed everything. She trusted everything. Even when we were doing ungodly things together, the day she found out we cheated, the, 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 the veil had been lifted off of her eyes. And all of a sudden she was like, Oh shoot. She got to see the monster up close. Like she got to see it. There was no more blinders on. But then the choice to forgive because she saw the good in me. The same thing all of the women before saw. They saw the greatness. They saw what God had for me. They, they saw all of like who I was in Christ, so to speak, is what they were seeing. But there was monsters all inside of me. But she got the worst of it, my the 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 ex from years ago. She she isolated from family, she isolated from friends. Every time we would have a massive fight, her friends would tell her to run, but she would make excuses for me. And the final straw for us was not the, the second time in jail together. It wasn't that. I I finally like I had caused so much toxic anger and rage and and the lies and the manipulation and the gaslighting and like not knowing what was real it it came back on me like i turned my life around and started to progress to make change to be the man i was supposed to be but then she was stuck in her anger and rage the only thing that separated us because we were addicted like it was crack cocaine mm -hmm. to this psych, this this roller coaster of extremes that the relationship presented. Mm -hmm. Because if I hurt her, I was the only person that could heal her. If she hurt me, she was the only one that could nurse me back to health. Like that was the mindset and where we were at. Like you like I needed her to fix what she hurt and vice versa. So we started this crack addiction relationship, basically. Yeah. And I, for some reason, like the what the only thing that separated us was us leave. We got in a fight one day and I just took off for Las Vegas. I moved to Las Vegas and left her in San Diego and married somebody I didn't know like a week later or something crazy like that. Yeah. That was the only thing that separated us permanently. But... I cannot think of a moment in my life that I regret other than not being able to 
get forgiveness for my behavior then. It haunts me because it's for some reason I struggle with letting it go. And I'm not that man. I haven't been that man in a long time. And I do the work to not let those monsters back in. But it haunts me, the damage that was caused, because the difference between you and her is that you did the work to get well and you continue to do it, to continue to heal. And she's still stuck in a place of self-isolated misery. You can't do anything about that. That's her journey. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that. It's just, that's why it was so hard to have you on after like the reality of it. Cause I was thinking about all the great things you're doing in the world and wanted to celebrate that. And then all of a sudden that noise from the enemy started talking to me going, you don't want to do this. <laughs> like this is a nightmare waiting to happen. But I'm glad that you're, you came on here. I just, I don't know why I even felt led to like share all that with you because I don't know what is supposed to be done with it. Like I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for any of that. I, but it, I don't, I, 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 I get a sense that you need to forgive yourself for the fact that she hasn't healed herself. You're blaming yourself for her lack of healing and it's not your fault. Yeah. You've got to take responsibility for hers. And you have to take responsibility for yours, but you can't make your self-forgiveness contingent upon her healing. Love is unconditional. You have to love yourself unconditionally too. Well, that's good. So God. if you're gonna make it based on her healing, that's conditional. It is. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, that's very true. Um, do you have, do you have nightmares about what happened? Not anymore. Wow. I did in the beginning, in the very beginning, first few months, uh, six months probably, but not anymore. I rarely think about it anymore. Really? I mean, I mostly only think about it when, you know, my daughter brings something up or yeah, but now I focus all my attention on where we're going and how he's developing and how happy we are together. How, how do you, when you meet women, because I've seen like your follow you on Twitter, your Twitter's amazing. Um, but I've listened to some of the other stuff that you've done and you, you really create the space to be there for other women who are going through this. What is, like, for you, mm -hmm. like, how, what has been your, like, the, what, what has been the one thing that you, that sticks out most to the women that come to you to talk to you about their situation? What would be the one thing that sticks out from those conversations that maybe surprises you a little bit? They haven't come to me yet. No, no one's come to you yet? No one's come to me yet and said, I got to talk. I need help. Nope. <laughs> Maybe I'm just you put yourself attracting right now. <laughs> you put yourself out there to be there for those women, though. Yeah, and when if they can, I I understand why they wouldn't because 
because they're being monitored. <laughs> Coercive controllers are being monitored. They're not, they're, keep, they're being kept from getting help. That's the whole point to it. So I could see why they wouldn't be until they get, until they get free. So if a woman, like there's women, I know there's women watching right now. I mean, look, men go through abuse too. It, yeah. it, it, men go through it too. But I want to talk about with women in this, like what do you, like women that are in an abusive relationship right now, what do you have to say to them? Like what, what can you say? Uh, what I would say is all the things that he's making you believe about yourself are not true. You are capable. You are worthy. You do not deserve this. You did not create this. He took advantage. And this is not what love actually looks like. That no matter what he's saying to you, he's gaslighting you. Gaslighting is making you question your own sanity and your own beliefs. And you can pull out of it. You can. You can. You'll be okay. Like, I don't care if you're financially dependent on him or not. I wasn't. I wasn't, and thankfully, I didn't have to, you know, go through a legal divorce either. So there's some blessings there. But um, yeah. even if you are financially dependent, there are places for you to go. You and your children can go. That's one of the places that I did my hours to graduate with my masters. They exist. They will take care of you. You can get back on your feet. You do not have to spend the rest of your life like this. That's what I would say to them. Get that out. <laughs> Sorry. No, one of the things that I've noticed too, and this happened, and this is part of what I can, like now that I try to live righteously and live in line with, you know, with what God has asked me to, like how God wants me to live. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really work towards that. And so, but the one thing that I have not been able to escape is this radar of women who this is, I, I remember I posted this two years ago and I made so many women mad at me for this. I even got shamed by some men, but predators can sense and smell weakness. Yeah. And, so, it's, and I'm going to, I'm going to correct the word weakness and just say empathy. Okay. It's not, empathy is not weak. How about vulnerabilities? Okay. Because if I can sense where your weak spot, when someone's, when if I can smell, sense where someone's weak spot is, mm-hmm. in other words, an insecurity that they're not getting attention, those kind of things. Then you can exploit it, right? That so, do you consider that a weakness though, or is that a? I don't consider vulnerabilities to be weaknesses or necessarily negatives. I think that. Um, it's just, I mean, that's what's happening in the animal kingdom all the time. The predator can sense who the weaker one of the herd is, the one who can't run nearly as fast and outrun them or, you know, can't outthink them. But as it turns out, I wasn't nearly as weak as he thought I was. And <laughs> I turned it all around and I got what I wanted. And yeah. he got blindsided by that because, um, because he, he didn't suspect any of that. But I was calculating how to get the hell out yeah. and how to protect all my children. And um, 
Yeah, so I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say, uh, the reason why you got a lot of backlash is because nobody wants to consider themselves weak because they think that they're supposed to be perfectly strong and not have any vulnerabilities and not have any spots that somebody could exploit. But if you are that way, then doesn't that also make you the predator too? Well, I was, I was actually talking about some of the way that people put themselves out online. Ah, yes. Expose weaknesses and vulnerabilities in your defense system to yeah. know what, like you can tell when someone's desperately seeking attention, right? Sure. So go to that point and then also to follow it up with women that just get out of abusive relationships and go start looking for a man mm -hmm. to another relationship to maybe fix it. To that fix is a glaring. Yeah. So I want you to speak to the importance of taking the time to heal before, even if you were the victim of what had happened. Yeah. You speak to the importance of taking the time to heal yourself before you open yourself up to being in another relationship, dating and so on. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I can't say enough about how important that is because you believed something you believe that people were basically good and then you got surprised that somebody would actually hurt you when you're doing nothing but being nice because we're taught as children if you're nice people will be nice to you that's right golden rule right <laughs> yeah so we're shocked when we're like wait i was nice and you weren't wait what huh huh no how does that happen right and so we have to learn to uh we have to take the time to create the awareness to sense the things that we didn't sense before. And I think the most important thing to heal is the idea that there, that, that, that little, you know, if you're nice, everybody will be nice back to you kind of thing that we grew up with is not <laughs> true. Is not true. And you actually have to protect yourself. Yeah. And so it made me, vicious protector of my children hmm. like you will not hurt my children not ever like not ever but my children are a lot closer now as a result of all of this too they uh they now have this my my two older ones have this little brother that they can both agree that they love the hell out of him <laughs> He's like the center of the family now <laughs> Right. Uh, sweet as anything, just the kindest little soul. But um, you have to take the time to heal because jumping back in with another relationship means you're going to attract the same person again. Okay. You have to be, you have to heal and be a different person than you were, so that and sew up all of your little tears, so that you can attract the kind of man that you want and not the same one that you just had. And so I, I think it's a solid year. At least, at least it, it was for me before I could even think about trying to date again. And then when I did try for a hot second, I was like, whoa, nope, I'm not ready yet. And but I did see red flags and yeah. I had the courage to call them out because I had I had promised myself that I would never dismiss behavior that seemed off again. Yeah. Ever. You got I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I say often on the show to women, the one of the, the the supernatural gift that all women share is that that sense, like their instincts are incredible. 
And that is the thing that killed me, right? Ignoring it. I sensed it. I knew it then. I knew it then. I knew it then. I really knew it at the end, right? And I knew it all along the way. And I dismissed it as though, no, 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 it's nothing. And so the one thing I would say to all women is if something doesn't feel right, mm -hmm. you do not need to justify it. You do not need to figure out what it is. You just need to know it's not right. And you need to walk away. And, and, that, and that's what gaslighting does to women is it robs them of trusting their instincts. Exactly. That's why it's so awful of a thing to do. Yeah. And it, it really, it takes so long to unwind all the gaslighting because it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's psychologically perfect. And you all you have to do is watch the entire year of 2020 in politics to know there was- So you went there so I didn't have to? Gaslit. I, I sat over there on Twitter watching everything going, in my coffee going, whole country's being gaslit right now. <laughs> it's nonstop. I'm just going to sit over here and like my business. Because there's nothing you can say, right? When the gaslighting is no. happening, it's like, well, just let it burn. And when it when it, when the fire finally <laughs> dies down, I guess we can see the ashes and make some sense of all of this and try to piece it back together again. But not until then. You can't say anything or people get so upset. You can't even comment. Like you can make a neutral comment about the former president's hair and it's going to engulf just rage and because they've been gaslit into believing depending on which news source you go to is the way you've been gaslighted and yeah. if you sit on twitter <laughs> you're being gaslit like there's like levels of gaslighting that go on on twitter that is absolutely insane it's crazy and yeah. we're all being fed lies you know what's you're at war with each other over things that are not true right absolutely absolutely 100 percent. everybody is pissed off at everybody else because of the way they've been gaslit into believing that that's the truth and the other side is wrong and they should die for it but at the i mean what's funny is i was never on twitter before all of this happened so here so here's where here's part of the reason part of my recovery right so i went on to twitter because I didn't want him to find me on Facebook and Instagram. And because I had never been on Twitter when we were together, I figured he probably wouldn't figure out that I would go on Twitter. Yeah. So, because you can't control who follows you on Twitter anyway, but it doesn't really matter. And so, boy, was that an eye opening because this manosphere and hatred for solo moms and everything just like poof, right in my face. But it really did help me start to sift through and see like how many men become a how they become abusers how they get these ideas in their head of certain types of women and what they're all about and like there's manuscripts out there saying that women are just born cheaters they're never going to be faithful anyway and i'm like and and solo moms are the pro are the scourge of the earth and we are the whole reason why the entire you know why all boys suck and you know everything that's wrong with the planet is because of solo moms and i'm sitting there scratching my head going i'm sorry weren't we the ones that were taking care of the children that you know <laughs> And so I'm looking at this going, I, these guys are being gaslit by these other guys because they're heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And so it, ha it, it gave me some compassion for them. 
but it also led me to find people that were really my people. So the people yeah. that we interact with now are some of my favorite people on the planet that I haven't physically met, but they've become my clients. One of them is, you know, becoming my CTO and business partner, and I couldn't be more blessed. And I wouldn't have those people in my life if that guy hadn't done that. I want to ask you about that because I genuinely, I, there's a lot of, I have met, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of my Facebook friends. Um, it just worked out that way, especially when I was traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. I just started randomly meeting a lot of my Facebook friends. Absolutely mm -hmm. wild. But even the ones that I haven't met, like I still get the same feeling of friendship, even though it's digital yeah. <laughs> not in person. Yeah. Like, I get the same kind of value out of it. Now, is that screwed up thinking or? No, I don't think so. I, I think just because we haven't physically hugged doesn't mean we we aren't friends, right? I was on a call with about five other ladies last night that was just at all via Zoom. We have, we're spread across the country. One of them's in Canada. And I mean, for somebody that I haven't physically met to spend time creating a gift for me with her own hands and shipping it across the border because of how I made her feel and the interaction that we had. No, that's real. Yeah. That's, real. that's love. That's there's so much love out there. If you if you attract it, if you have the love for yourself, it will come to you. You'll attract all those people and and they'll be in your life. And so now I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that's a reality of the digital age that we're in. Mm. I don't think that that, I, I mean, there are people that I've met here that even old friends that I don't talk to. Yeah. I don't know that I consider them friends anymore because I haven't spoken to them in so long or I haven't seen them in so long that I'm like, well, how close are we really when we're not even talking all that much? You know? I agree with that. And so, so like this morning, I got a bunch of text mess, happy birthday text messages from friends that I haven't talked to since last year at this time. But that doesn't mean that we're not friends because we don't talk because I do come into their mind on, on you know, special occasions like that. But there's people that don't. So just because I knew them physically at one point, do I still call them a friend when they don't really know who I am anymore and I don't know who they are? No, I think the people that I've met on Twitter and some of those ladies are more my friends than people I grew up with, you know? So, no. I like that. I want to talk to you about honesty. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> well, because I, you, you brought something up that just triggered this thought. And I think about, like, because you said, like, why men become abusers. I think every, I think a lot of it has to do with the fear of truth. You think about why men cheat. Men cheat. Well, I mean, one or one reason is they lack discipline. But another side of that is, I believe, is that men are afraid to be honest about the things that they really want. And I'm not trying to. I'm not going down a sexual path here. I'm just going to stop it there and go. They're not willing to be honest, so they hide. They hide parts of themselves. That And I know some things in a relationship you learn organically, mm -hmm. but there's key things that men will hide when they are meeting a woman because they don't want to be judged. 
And the one thing that people judge, or there's two things that people fear judgment about, at least from a man's perspective, that's finances and that's something to do with sex. There's something that they're hiding and not willing to be honest with. So men hide and then they have fear or, and, or maybe they mess up or maybe they have a certain thing about themselves that they're, you know, they're ashamed of and they don't explore. But that shame that they've hidden will burn inside and, and create something else. And it manifests as something very, very ugly. And I think that a root of that is fear of truth. Because, again, you don't want to, like, whether you don't want to upset your girl, you don't want to freak them out, whatever it may be. I want you to talk about the importance of, of truth to you and how, and I don't know if you can speak to it, to it with the question frame like this, but when you are in a relationship with somebody you love and they, they're, they're, what does honesty mean to a woman in a relationship? Maybe that's the way to frame the question. That's an, that's a good question. I think honesty is everything to a woman. At least it is to me. Right? Yeah. I want to I want to know who you are. All the good, the bad, the ugly, I want to know exactly who you are. And I want you to hide from me. Mm. All the things that men are typically insecure about. Like and, and insecurity is a monster into itself. Insecurity I think is what breeds most lies. Yeah. What do you say to men to the insecurities that most men, like you can stereotype it. What can you say to them? If I could speak to the insecurities that men hold. Yeah. Um, how women feel about them. I would say that you're, because you're not trusting yourself, you're not trusting your partner with the truth. You don't trust yourself with your truth. And so you're not even giving her a chance. You know, I mean, to go back to my situation really quick, like when I said I never had a, ch I never had a chance, mm -hmm. he, he lied and gaslit and set the trap a year before we ever even got together. Wow. He created this persona that wasn't at all the truth about who he was, but he created this persona because he thought that that's what it was going to take to get me. And I think that the more and more apparent that that wasn't the case. He, um, the more that that wasn't the case, the more it started to like the whole facade started to crumble. And then like, you know, then the rage got out because now I'm going to know the truth because yeah. it have gotten me otherwise is really, is really what the attitude was about that. That's what I think. I think he didn't think that he could get me unless he lied. So he didn't think that he was good enough and his insecurities were such, well, you know, tell the truth because maybe that's just not the right person to be with then. Yes. Right? Don't try so hard to get one person is what I would say. If she doesn't understand your insecurities and, and who you really are, then somebody else will. That's right. And that's okay if it's not the right match. Let her choose too, right? Just like I would, I would tell a, a man, I, I would be perfectly honest with anybody. If I'm not your right match, that's, then that's good, right? I'm not going to try so hard to get you to love me that you don't know who I am. I No, I, and I love that you're saying that because like people will love you for your ugly truths. I mean, I'm 
living testimony to this. Yes, you are. My, yeah. my you married with kids. I was like, that was good for you. That was great. <laughs> and God, but God brought her to me because I got comfortable with truth. Yeah. That's and do it. And I did the works. You said a year, and I believe it's a year or two as a magic. I spent a year alone, feeling isolated, you know, working on reversing all of the triggers that I had, like all of that stuff. I think it's a minimum of a year. I, I still wasn't yeah. ready after a year, and I still don't have a relationship, and it's been over two years now, but that's okay. Well, and, and it, like I'm still healing in process. Like I've learned that through, you know, with multiple personalities and all of that, that I, I'm getting to heal each one. <laughs> like, everyone <laughs> their own healing a journey, but I'm blessed to have a wife that's willing to, like, be there and work with me through it. But if I would have hid that, and believe me, I hid my monster from everyone. Yeah. Well, and, and it, because I would, they would meet me when I'm just this ray of sunshine and, like, everything's good, I'm light and, like, because I've always had that side of my personality, but then I would, when things would get good, I would get comfortable with good, and I'd be like, oh. And then I'd start to hear those voices of, and now it's time to go have some fun. And then I would go do have the fun, and then it would make me self-destructive and reckless, and then I would hurt a lot of people. Yeah. Because then I have the shame of what I've just done, and now I'm lying and trying to cover it up. That's all coming from lack of self-love. And I didn't love myself. And that's what I learned in that year of isolation yeah. is I learned to love myself and be comfortable with the truth. And one thing that I learned about the truth, and I shared this, I was on someone else's show uh, yesterday or the day before. And, and I said that what was true to me, like I had to be comfortable with the truth mm -hmm. that one, that Jesus loved me exactly the way I am. Like there was nothing that was going to change that. Mm -hmm. When I finally got the point of that, I began to love myself and started to make loving decisions. But the truth that I accepted at that time about myself changed as I healed. Mm -hmm. And that was no longer true. So the truth about yourself or your perceived truth, it can change. Yep. But being comfortable with truth, what's true to you in that moment, yep. and just loving yourself in that moment, will begin the healing process that will put you and shape you into who you were created to be. Yeah. With scars and all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and your past does not define who you are. It, it defines does. who you were. Can you say, can you say that? And I know that to be true. Like I know who I am. <laughs> like, and I like, it's unshakable at this point. I know who I am, but for you, are you able to look at people that have a past of a past very similar to what hurt you and caused you pain? Are you still able to say that in that same breath? To say that that's who they were and that's not who they are now? Yes. Yeah, if they've healed themselves, if they've loved themselves, then yeah, that's who they were. Because that's, you know, I'm not the same person anymore either. Yeah. Um, but if they're still in, if they're still stuck in that pattern of behavior, then that's who they still are. Mm -hmm. Past it, they keep people are really good at bringing their past back into their present, back into their present by For talking sure. about the past all the time. Like we don't need, we don't need to talk about the past all the time. That's who, what it was. Where are we going? 
let's talk about where we're going, who we are now, the different person now, not who we were. So yeah, everybody has a past. Lots of people have past that they're not all that thrilled about the fact that it happened. <laughs> that's right. But that's okay because this is part of the human experience. That's right. Right? It's mm -hmm. part of the human experience. So we have to just, you know, kind of kiss it on the forehead and let it go and move on. So all of this has been beautiful because I, I appreciate you boldly sharing everything that you shared. And this to me, um, the reason I wanted to get that out of the way is because I really believe all of that you've overcome like everything that you did to while going through this, ensure that you're still going to be the mom that is there. You're not an absent mom. You're there. You're loving your children, even though you're going through hell. That in itself is inspiring. Everything you've said on this broadcast is inspiring because it is about healing and overcoming and doing the work. Where's Allie going now? Oh, that's good. I, I like that story. By the way, going through all of that showed me how invincible I am. Yeah. Oh, how much I had it in me. Really, really didn't. And man, did it make me a better mom. I mean, whoo. <laughs> you know, you know, some some parents just take their kids' love for granted, right? But when you're afraid that you're that you've lost it, man, you embrace it in a way that you never would have otherwise. So where we're going, uh, whew, happy family, right? <laughs> My older two fight, but they don't fight with their little ones, so there's that. <laughs> but even when they fight, they love each other and I can kind of pull them back in. We are having family experiences like never before. Um, such togetherness, such confidence, such beauty. And my software is getting expanded probably as we speak. He's probably working on it watching this right now. So excited about it. I am so excited about it. I'm, so I'm going to get ripped on your software, by the way. Oh, I'm so, I, I love the results that my clients are getting. So I am, I am completely blessed. Back in 2009, I was frustrated at constantly having to work and leaving my baby, my daughter, who was only two at the time. You want to come give a hug on, yeah, she wants to, she wants you guys to see her for a second. <laughs> Thanks, baby. And um, so she was two and I jumped in the pool because my head was just swimming with all these thoughts and I couldn't quiet my mind. And I jumped out of the pool with the complete idea of my software, the marketing, the name for it, everything within minutes. It was like, God just went, here you go. You asked, <laughs> now, now go make it, now go make it happen. And I, so I spent all this time and in 2009, the technology wasn't there to build what I needed to build. Yeah. So it took time to get to this place. And um, up until 2000, up until 2020, Remote personal training was not something that anybody did. So I was looking at B2B and I was trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to get people to understand the value of what I've built? Because I know God wouldn't give it to me if it wasn't what I was supposed to do. Everyone take note of that statement because we all get those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just went, okay. And all along the way, I kept getting green light, green light, green light. 
but then I'd get roadblock, green light, green light, roadblock. Um, yeah, Whew, what a building a tech company. Talk about uh, you know drinking from a fire hose on a daily basis for a decade. <laughs> I, I find I finally feel like I've got a handle. I, I've got reins on this uh, on this racehorse, and and part of it is because I have you know found these beautiful people that really love what I'm doing and they believe in it and me and they want to be part of it. And so my my tech guy, he's amazing. He was one of my first clients in April, April of last year when COVID hit and now everybody has to work out at home or just sit there and get fat, right? Um, he started, I, I posted it out, like I will give you a COVID discount off of my for month. And I just, I revamped my business model. I just kind of went, okay, instead of B2B, I guess I will do B2C, but let's see if it will work. And I, you know, marketing to the individual consumer is expensive and I just didn't know how to go about doing that. Marketing isn't my genius. My, my genius lies in other places. And so he started working with me and you know, we, he's in Canada. So we would chat via WhatsApp uh, if he had questions or whatever, all the while I'm like, okay, well my software was really designed for the gym. It wasn't designed for home. So I got to go back to my old it guy and I re I, I recreated the home workout exercises and redid the videos there and added those to it. So I expanded my software to include a much more robust home workout section of it so that people could continue their, their, um, their fitness at home. But I hadn't thought of it before because you could get a fitness 19 membership anywhere. Like people weren't really exercising at home. They were going to the gym and you know, I've, I had to adapt my own workout to, to be at home. So you couldn't get a dumbbell to save your life back in April, right? You probably still can't. And um, so I had to figure it out myself. And so as I was figuring it out, I was like, well, if it's happening for me, it's happening for other people. So let's just expand it. And then I was getting more and more clients from Twitter and so on. And I was, I was having more conversations with other people that I like, Remember the fitness the industry guy that I wouldn't have otherwise met if this hadn't happened? Well, he's introducing me. He's making this phone call, and I'm listening to where they're getting their clients. So I'm like, well, maybe I could try that too. And I'm putting all these things together because what else am I going to do sitting at home, <laughs> right, in 2020? Um, my, I can't go take care of my financial clients, so I'm going to figure this out. And so we expanded the software to include that now, but then I have this macro tracker. So the way I eat and my meal plans and all that stuff was just a static document. It had always just been a big, huge PDF that I would you know, email via Dropbox to my clients. Well, my first client there in April said, I want to, I want to build it into your software. I was like, really? Cause that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to build it into the software so that a client could have their food, <laughs> right? All the things that are happening that they're consuming and all the caloric expenditure through their workouts all be in one place and have it all, you know, cohesive and work together and where I can see it. And now, so we're expanding the software to be able to be this one-stop place for all of your nutrition, your workouts, it's all talking to each other. And eventually where we're going with it is to add in some AI so that you can, you could ask it questions and say like, well, you know, can I have this, can I have another beer? Can I have another glass of wine at night? 
and based on what you've already consumed, based on where, you know, what you've expended <laughs> in terms of your workout, then you'll know like yes or no or yes, but you got to do an extra 10 minutes of cardio tomorrow to make up for that glass of wine because you didn't really do enough today. What's That's it going to say about the two donuts I had yesterday? It's going to say you probably need an hour of cardio for that. Yeah, well, I think I did it this morning. Uh, lots of work with us too. But, yeah, and you know what? What's what's crazy is um, back in 2009, I prayed for somebody for the IT person to be somebody who wanted to be part of the company. That's what it's all about. And not just get paid, but like be passionate about it and want to make it the best it could be. I've been wanting this person this whole time, and I, I mean, got lucky now. No, it's that's totally God. And yeah. and what I love to me, it's like you're like, it's the quick what you have created is QuickBooks for fitness. Essentially. It's accounting so, software for fitness. It's so cool. It's so cool. And we're making it even better. Like what I had already the algorithm I already wrote and had created is great but what and because it also has physical therapy exercises for injuries and issues so it's not just here's some workouts it's mm -hmm. custom workouts it's you have a neck issue a shoulder issue a knee issue that you're not going to just have to figure it out yourself you're going to get exercises that are going to improve that situation and so where we're headed with it is making all of that even better than it already is. And I, I'm finally proud of, of where it is. I love the way the website looks. I love how, I love the results that people are getting. I have a client that was reluctant to be remote because she thought for sure she couldn't, like it wouldn't work. And she has, she had two neurosurgeries, about a dozen strokes. She has a frozen shoulder. She wants to lose weight. And she's like, I know I need a trainer. I can't afford a lot. I, but I, I don't think remote is going to work for me. And I just said, give it a shot. Just give me a shot. So now we talk every day because she, she's like a sister from another mister. And, um, and she's lost 14.6 pounds in her first five to six weeks with me. She's more thrilled Jeez. than ever. Hmm? You, wait, uh, Kate wants to know about fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is an autoimmune disorder, and it basically we need to just get your gut healthy with um, with a diet that supports it and a medical grade probiotic and exercise. And I bet you dollars to donuts, don't eat those though, that you that you experience the pain diminished from the fibromyalgia. I had one of my first clients that um, you know prior to COVID and everything, she was. She was, she's been with me for years. She had high triglycerides. Her cholesterol was high. She was uh, pre-diabetic. Her doctor thought she might have an autoimmune disorder, wanted to put her on all these drugs. Jeez. And she came to me, and this is in 2016. This is, I remember it because I was standing in line to vote in 2016. <laughs> and she said, um, I don't wanna take th these drugs, Ali. Can you help me? I went, yes, follow my meal plan, take this probiotic, do these workouts. 60 days later, she got her blood work again. Her liver enzymes were starting to go back to where they should be. The triglycerides were back normal. Her pre-diabetes was gone and um, and there was no signs of an autoimmune disorder. So I know it works. I know it works. Your body will heal itself if you give it a chance, if you 
take out the things that are causing it problems and you give it some help to get back where it can where it needs to go it can absolutely heal itself that's amazing kate i think kate's going to connect with you on social so I love it. yeah very cool DMs are always open. <laughs> how do people how do people find you? I, your Twitter is great. Thanks. But how do people find like your website and all the how do people keep up with everything you have going on? Uh, well, Twitter is a great place to find me because my my website is right there on my profile. So it's bodcompany.com is where you can find me. And um, you can always DM me on Twitter, you can DM me on Instagram, you can send me messages on Facebook. Uh, you can even fill out the contact form on my website and that'll go straight to my email and we can connect that way. I'm really easy to find, very accessible and really, really want to help. You really do. I, I genuinely, I, I can, I've watched you work and you, you are sincere about it. Your, your desire to help on all fronts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your thing. <laughs> like you're, you're here to serve. I mean, you're a business, but you're, you have a genuine heart to want to help improve people's lives and i admire that thank you because it could easily have gone the other way easily very easily i um one of the things that i'm so happy about with the software that i've built is because most people don't really need me to babysit their workout what they need me for is accountability and coaching and more meaningful conversations that can't be had while you're jumping rope because you know your heart rate's up so high because i'm running you through a great workout how are you going to be able to have conversations with me about how it integrates into your lifestyle or hormones or what do you do to get uh, stay on track with your eating while you're trying to make different meals for your family or yeah. how do you get your kids to drink the fruit and veggie shake when it looks so green and you know, <laughs> you know I, I I go through all the same stuff that you're going through so I feel like I've got some tricks and if I can do it then I can help you get there too that's awesome and it's my pleasure to do so I you know this was the path that I was supposed to be on. I've been on this path since 1996. I've been, uh, sorry, 95. Been a trainer since I was 19 years old. I love this. I read books on how micronutrients affect your psychology and your neurology for fun. I read books on epigenetics for fun because it's just fascinating to me because what if there's a piece of the puzzle that I can glean from some other discipline over here that can, help my clients over here and so i'm always always paying attention to those things and i um, love that i love it i mean I the diet i put my son on to help him with his epilepsy the, which is controlled by the way did i mention that no I'm, I'm actually glad that you circled back to that because i left the stuff around your son hanging a bit Talk yeah I uh, I started diving into research as to like what could possibly be going on. What what's is he autistic? Is he whatever? So I started understanding how micronutrients like metals and coppers and thing, folate things like that that are naturally occurring, how we can have an, an inability to process it and how that can show up as as uh, psychological disorders. And that was fascinating. And then I was reading books written by neurologists about diet and how that impacts uh, behavior and, and psychology. So I'm doing all of that, right? And then he gets diagnosed with this form of epilepsy, but they did a genetic test. He does not have a genetic disorder. His wow. outlook is not bleak. 
he is making progress. He did roll over. He did sit up. He is crawling. He's working on walking and feeding himself. He's said a few words, but he usually just, you know, sits there and is a little chill guy and happy and giggly unless it's the middle of the night and then he cries. <laughs> Jack does. And um, so he doesn't have a genetic disorder and it took one treatment. Now the treatment for his particular type of epilepsy carries with it tremendous side effects. So he had to have an echocardiogram so that they could measure the size of his heart because you get an enlarged heart. You, it, It's a nasty treatment. Kind of like chemotherapy. We're going to stop the, we're going to try to stop the seizures, but we're going to kill your body in the process of doing it. So fortunately he only needed one treatment and the seizures stopped. And so I went an all natural route. I went to CBD. He doesn't even need CBD anymore. I just keep his diet in check. 50% fat, 25% carbs, 25% protein. And um, he eats a whole, whole foods diet. And this is a kid that was in the one tenth of one percentile of weight when he was born. And just a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago today, as a matter of fact, he's in the 33rd percentile. Doctors are thrilled. He also has GERD, so that's been an issue, but he's starting to grow out of that too because I have him on the lowest possible dose and um, a dose that was 12 pounds ago. So the doctor's super happy with his therapists are, are are happy with his progress and uh, yeah he's he's gonna get there nobody has said yet that you know he's gonna be in a wheelchair not being able to to move around he's very smart very smart his receptive language is very advanced so mentally he is not at a disadvantage he's just physically trying to catch up to where his mind is that is so cool. Yeah, it's a good story. He's but there's good. a lot of people that, like, I, I know just that have watched the show over the years that have children with epilepsy. And I've been, I remember because you mentioned CBD, you know, I'm making recommendations on that, different, you know, different CBD products for people. But you said something that is true with a lot of, I mean, I think Big Pharma's like, you know, borderline Satan at this point, especially with the field of psychiatry and like all of those drugs. But the food, like food was meant to heal us. Uh, who is it that had, uh, the, wrote the Daniel Plan, uh, the book, uh, the pastor from Saddleback in California. Rick oh, Warren. Uh, Rick Warren. Mm -hmm. They wrote a, the Daniel Plan book and it was about the Daniel Plan diet and all the whole food diet. And they had medical doctors that were involved in the book and they showed how real food is healing. Yeah. We don't need all the crap that we buy, all of the supplements, all of this and that. We need whole foods. Whole foods. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's like the answer to everything. Well, when you think about where pharmaceuticals come from, they're extracting yeah. compounds from nature mm -hmm. so, and, and manipulating them. The foods that you eat are drugs for your body. They have an impact. Every single thing that you put in your mouth will have a positive impact or a negative one on your body. It's as simple as that. Making me feel guilty about those donuts still. Well, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it to you, but and then, I'm you, you myself bad. Your body will bad. come back from having a donut, right? If you eat it every day, it I'm not eating it every day. You're not gonna. 
your body can't keep up with that kind of, you know, insult, but a little here and there, it'll come back from, you know? So I'm not, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of eating really good, yummy food. So that's why my meal plan is all my own recipes that I, that I created. And so nachos and stuff like that. Yeah. Cheesecake. That's all. I've seen pictures of your food. You're a good cook. You look, I mean, it looks good. It tastes good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if my, if my kids are saying their favorite meal is my gluten-free mac and cheese, then I I guess it's not so bad, right? Yeah, because gluten-free mac and cheese is not an easy thing to like, unless if you know how to make it. I make it from scratch. That's awesome. Wait, you make the noodles too? No, I buy the noodles. I I draw the line at spending that much time in the kitchen because I do want to play with my kids, you know? (laughs) I don't want to make say, Isn't that a long process? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to do that, but I make the cheese sauce and then we use it for different things, right? Use it with the nachos, use it on tater tots and, you know. is Is there a healthy way to make cheese? To make a cheese sauce? Yeah. Yeah, just make the roux with butter and with tapioca flour. And then I use goat milk for for the base. And then I just use, you know, regular cheddar cheese, gouda, things like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm hungry now. Yeah, I know. Um, My tummy's growling too. <laughs> okay. Allie, this has been a blessing. Um, I'm so excited for everything that is happening for you. And uh, so excited about the software. When can people take their first peek at it? They can see it right now. It's up. It's been up. Mm-hmm. Give, yeah. them, give them the website one more time. Bodcompany.com. Bod, like this. Bodcompany.com. Easy to remember. Cool yeah. logo. Thank Allie, you. Allie, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Joshua, for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. See you. Well, gee, that was fun. What an amazing woman. And by the way, you guys have to check out this technology. I didn't even know it was up yet. Um, Bodcompany.com. you got to check it out. Everything I've heard about this, it seems like the perfect fitness app. Every time I download one of those fitness and health apps, they're always missing something I need. And this is the complete package. So you guys check that out. Bodcompany.com. I am so grateful that she was so vulnerable. Um and sharing, like, I mean, we just went right to it. Like, there was no happy stuff. So if you just joined us late, uh, you're watching on the replay, listening on the podcast, whatever, you want to listen to the whole thing because it it does lead up to, I mean, it, it tells the story. And not always that comfortable. But if you've been in an abusive relationship, whether you're the abuser or you're the abused, there's something there for both of you. And one of the things that I take away from this, other than forgiving myself, and like, I didn't know why I felt led. I don't know why the resistance. I've talked about this openly, like why I've been to two of the six times I've been in jail. Why? You know, it's not like I've hid from it. I've, I've talked about it before. But for some reason, this has weighed heavy on me since we decided that we were doing the interview. And I, I just opened it up with that. And I guess maybe because I didn't want her to be blindsided by it or to come across as a hypocrite if I didn't say anything. I don't know. But I will say that that was a bit healing for me. Um, 
it was because she said some things in, in the in, in the interview that she was able to go to look at it as yeah you've healed you're not that person that's your past i don't know why that was so powerful for me but it was and and i know i'm not that guy but hearing it from her for some reason made a difference and here's the thing women i don't believe if you're in an abusive relationship you got to get out and there are resources i know somebody right now who is attached to my dna use your imagination that is stuck in a very abusive relationship because she is getting ready to have a baby literally in a month if not sooner that is in with her abuser and it's all about finances he has financial control over her therefore in her mind she's stuck and there's no telling her any other thing and in fact i noticed this pattern that she contacts us when they're fighting but when they're not fighting there's separation and division and she wants nothing to do with us and then all of a sudden has this us versus me thing and it's really hard to watch and experience but i also don't think it's by any accident why am i talking about this because you heard it from her. If you're in an abusive relationship, ladies, and you're about to have a baby, or you've just had a baby, or you find out that you're pregnant, there are resources available for you. And everybody that's watching out there, like I know there's different organizations all over the country, all over the world. And so if you know them, like, please share those ideas so other people can see it. If you've been through this also, if you've been in, through an abusive relationship, it's so important that you share it to, to, because you don't know the impact that it's going to have on someone else's life. And again, I'm saying this is, this has all been part of my past, being the abused, being the abuser. But if you're the abuser, don't get in another relationship with anyone until you've, you've done the work on yourself and you've healed. And you know what? It takes longer than you think, but you can heal because of all the things that, that fuel, that, 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 the demon inside of you that causes you to abuse, all of that stuff can be healed. You can be removed from it. You can reverse the triggers. You can, you can, you can grow. You can learn to be honest, because if I think about all of all the root causes of the things that made me so angry that I that it did cause me to and I'm like, look, I can sit there and blame the 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 eight ball of cocaine and the bottle of tequila. I can do all of that. I can blame that. I could. But the fact is, it really resulted the thing that lit the spark that caused all of the the rage to come out is the fear of getting caught the fear behind my lies being exposed that is what fueled the monster inside of me that's what fueled the rage that caused me to hurt other people is trying to keep the lie that i was living going i talk about the truth so much on this show 
look, outside of the fact that God doesn't bless lies, you can't function properly in life without living in truth. You can't. It, there's no authenticity. There's no, there's no, there's no blessings. No one knows who you are. Just be honest. If I can walk around life being in jail six times, first time shoplifting, second time prostitute. Well, I thought it was a prostitute. It ended up being a cop. DUI. Fights. Multiple fights. Bar fights. Yes, I was a bar brawler. And then domestic violence. Maybe I've been in jail seven times. Oh my gosh. I think I've been in jail seven times. I'm not going back. That's the point. But if I can do that, if I can, if I can have HIV, if I can be somebody that struggled with not knowing if what their sexuality was, or if I, if I can, like, if I can become, be honest about all of that, all of the dirty stuff that I've shared on the show that we don't need to go into right now. But if I can be honest about that publicly and live my best life, then you can too. Because ultimately, it was the truth that opened up the gates of heaven for me. I wasn't rewarded for any of it. The consequences of my actions of the past are still there. You are not free from the consequences of our act. We, we are not free from the consequences of our actions. However, I will tell you that the sooner that we are honest about them, the sooner God can use it for good. And that is the point. When we unleash our secrets and we share our truth, we give God an opportunity to use the things that we have hidden in shame for so long. And God will use your truth. God will use the things that you're ashamed of. God will use the things that you've hurt yourself with. That's why testimonies are so powerful. And I'm so grateful for Allie's courage to share hers. And I thank you for being here. The secret's not worth keeping. You're not protecting anybody. In fact, you're doing more harm to yourself and the people that love you. So let it out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. God bless you. And a word for our sponsor.